0: Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for life, health, and strength. We thank you for waking us up today, allowing us another opportunity to walk in, the purpose that you have for us. We thank you for sending your angels as an encampment all around us to keep us, protect us, to stand against the enemy's schemes and his tricks and the different things he's doing to try to destroy us. We know that because we are in his faith, this faith that we face death all day long, but you keep on keeping us and we're grateful. We pray that as this uh, word goes out tonight, that it will be a fortifier, uh, a truth-bearer, and, and one that will eradicate and cast down lies, vain imaginations, and every high thing that it exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Give you the glory and the honor in your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, if you've listened to what God has allowed me to share um, over these recent months or have read things that I've, I've been able to, I'm blessed to be able to share, And you would know that I'm on this um, very fired up fight to uh, eradicate, cast down lies. Um, things that are not upheld in scripture, uh, deceptions and different things that take place in uh, oft- ultimately church institutions. And uh, it's been a very interesting journey so far, um, fighting this this type of fight, uh, because there's so many lies, there's so much deception out there that you kind of seem like the oddball. You seem like the one that seem that didn't get it right, or at least among the few that didn't get it right, uh, because there's more people who claim that, you know, these different things that are being told are true, yet not upheld in scripture. But the truth is, uh, the, the basis of the faith is to fight for the faith. That is the, the essence, that is the foundation of the faith. The climax, obviously, is salvation. It's getting into everlasting life. It's having Jesus tell us, um, you know, well done. And we get to enter into the joys of the master and spend eternity with God. That, that's the climax. But um, we're not there yet. And unfortunately, uh, many people walk around as if they made it. Uh, they walk around as if they already have arrived because they have been led astray. And many institutions, especially in the West and in America, are institutions that were built on lies. They were built on half-truths. Um, you have the the, the the New Age thinking that, that takes place today, uh, which come out of the social gospel or progressive Christianity that holds no biblical weight. Um, because what we find is that You know, ultimately, there's two Gospels that 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 exist. Uh, There's the Gospel of self and then there's the Gospel of salvation and self. That Gospel typically uses scriptures, you know, one or two scriptures or maybe um, a setting in a scripture to validate why a person doesn't have to do certain things, why they shouldn't go and contend for their faith, why they should not call out false teachers, uh, you know, just a variety of things that people will, when you look at, if you ask or, or you search Google and you say, well, you know, do, does a person have to do any particular thing uh, regarding Christianity? There, You're going to find a lot of articles uh, that or, or posts or suggestions that basically, will defend someone's decision to not do what the Bible says do or what someone brings out of the Bible and says they have to do. You don't find many that will say these are the things uh, that defend why you should do or you should obey. Um, And the the reason being, like I said, it's because... You know we live in a in a season in a time where people don't want to do God's will. Uh, they they they've been fed this facade that all they have to do, if you come into a church institution, is just say the sinner's prayer. You know that you believe and that's it. You got your golden ticket into the kingdom of heaven. So you're no longer obligated uh, to do anything because you simply believe. Um, and this is obviously deception. If you read and follow the ministry of Jesus Christ, if you follow the disciples that he selected and the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament scripture, you will find that faith in Jesus Christ is actually works. There is no such thing as just simply believing in him. And that's it. This you know, it is, and it's, it's a, it's a challenge to tell people this, um, because, you know, someone who has a heart for God, you know, doesn't want to see people walk in falsehood, you know, and, and if they were at one point, you know, like myself living and growing in falsehood and understanding I was living and manipulated a truth, a false truth, then you grow a certain, uh, I guess, you know, so you, you, you get you have some kind of fire inside of you because you didn't like the fact that you you were fooled. You were tricked. I don't think anybody likes being tricked or or pranked or whatever the case may be. You know, especially in the moment because you're thinking like, wow, you know, I can't believe I just got I got fooled. So, you know, having that that kind of experience and understanding what type of deception exists today and, and actually fighting for the faith is the, 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 the basis of what we are called to do. It goes beyond simply saying, I believe in Jesus Christ. Um, you know, in, in, in Luke chapter six, verse 46, you know, this is towards the end of several teachings that Jesus Christ do. He says, but why do you call me, Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? He asks them a question. How can you call me your lord and do not obey me? The truth is we're we are not his servants, we he's not our lord if we don't obey him. There's no way around that. We can't say that's my savior, that's my 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 messiah, that's my lord, my master and we don't do what he tells us to do. In fact, in verse 46, he goes on and says, "Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings, and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug down, who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the streams beat verminly against the house and it could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. He said, but he who heard and did nothing It's like a man who built his house on the earth without a foundation against which the streams beat firmly and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. This is why we see a lot of people falling astray from the truth, from following Jesus Christ. This is why they say, well, you know, I left the church because the church hurt. Or all these different statements that they make. At the end of the day. It wasn't anything about that. The truth of why they left. Is because they were not putting. God's word into practice. They were not putting the things that he said. Into practice. They heard it. It was was preached. Or it was shared. or, Or someone testified. But they didn't practice these things. They didn't take action in them. And like I said. There's tons of deceptive statements and half-truths exist that keeps people uh, walking around with the illusion that because they said the name Jesus Christ, they received salvation. I would almost support that statement if Jesus Christ himself said, that's all you had to do. He didn't even say that. And he's the savior. And one of the biggest... um, lies that exist today is that you don't have to be baptized huge lie because it is it's built on a couple of instances or a few instances in scripture or a few scriptures that simply says if you confess you believe one of them they they they, they try to say because you don't because it's not by works that you um are saved, lest any man should boast. And that is true. But being baptized, I want to tell you, is not a work. You have to understand what it means to work. To work is that you show up to do something for somebody to get something in return. You're, 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 You're making an action. You're taking an action for someone else. Being baptized is for you. It's not you showing up to perform, let's just say a baptism. Well, I baptized this person, so I'm going to heaven because I took the action. I put some work in to make sure this person was baptized so that I can go see God. And when you look at what Jesus talks about when it comes to being born again, which is baptism, you can clearly see that this lie that you don't have to be baptized um, is is is, I mean, it's a complete lie. You can see it, and we're going to look at John chapter three, and we're going to cover a few, a little bit of scripture, because I think it's very important to understand. You know, we talk talk about we want to go to heaven and we want to spend eternity with God. We want to see Him, and and and, you know, we we want to have Him tell us well done and, and be at peace with God. Be yet. We're not doing what we're supposed to do as it aligned with scripture, not something that a preacher made up or, you know, some cool movie about Jesus or a TV show. Uh, This is what Jesus Christ himself is, is discussing here in John chapter three, verse one. It says that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, more certainly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, that should be enough right there. Okay, if you if you go and look at anything regarding being born again in the Bible in the New Testament scripture, it's a clear reflection of baptism. But that should be enough. But obviously it's not enough and it's something that Jesus Christ wanted us to experience. God wanted us to look at this this dialogue, this story, and he don't just pick anybody. Understand that this is not just some You know, person out on the street. This is this person is of very importance. They are a ruler of the Jews. And he's telling him that you have to be born again to see the kingdom of God. Yet even Nicodemus being someone who's supposed to be uh, up there sitting at the top, he couldn't get it. Because it shows this in verse 4. He says, now Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus clearly misses what Jesus is saying. Now, like I said, reading all this is going to really help us see this whole truth about baptism that has been washed away in most church institutions, especially here on the West. The requirement for baptism. Because Nicodemus doesn't get it, Jesus goes on to say say this. Most certainly I say unto you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So before we go on, Jesus makes two references to the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the place everyone says they want to go. He says, first, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom. He elaborates in trying to explain even in more in depth, what being born again is born of water and spirit. And he says, you cannot enter if this doesn't take place. He said that in verse six, which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Again, I read earlier in the scripture in Luke chapter six, Jesus Christ says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Here he tells Nicodemus, you must be. Not that you might. It's not a conditional thing. It's not, well, I'm not feeling it today. I don't think I'm close to God yet. All these silly ideologies that exist in churches today. I've been to plenty of them. You go down, you shake the pastor's hand, and you say the sinner's prayer, and whenever you feel like God is leading you, you go get baptized. This is not in the Bible. This is this this is complete uh, contrary teachings and actions in Scripture, and I'm going to show you this later on as we as we move ahead. Um, And then he tells him, he says, "The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes." so is everyone who is born of the spirit. Now, Jesus not only reiterates and gives a little more elaboration about uh, being born again and being baptized, the requirement that you have to do it. He also uh, gives more details about what happens when the spirit is born again. When your spirit is born again, how you become an untraceable and untrackable child of God. The enemy can't uh, follow you like he follows the world. And in verse nine, Nicodemus answered and said, how can these things be? So three times, Nicodemus, cannot grab what Jesus is saying? Three times, important to realize, right? He, like, like I said, this is not just anyone. Remember who the, if before we even go on, remember who the Pharisees were. When Jesus had an interaction with them. In John 4, 8, 8 He tells him he said. Ye are of your fathers the devil. That's what he said. The Pharisees are. It's a reason Jesus is using Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus. Was a ruler of the people. Who were considered the children of Satan. And the reason they were children of Satan. Uh, is because they were using. A. Uh, traditions, customs, and things that completely made the word of God no effect in the lives of the people who followed them. This is why he used Nicodemus. And if you take this, this little story here and you align it to what we see today, there are a lot of Pharisees leading church institutions where not only does the pastor don't get it, but the people in church don't get it. So we're going to go on in verse 10. Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things? Most certainly I say unto you, we speak what we know and we testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. He's saying that, listen, we can only talk about what we know and we can only testify to what we actually see. He said, I am telling you these things. You are calling me a a, a a teacher from God, and yet you still don't receive the witness. You still don't receive the truth. He said, If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? He says, No one has ascended to heaven but he who comes down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. As and he said, and he says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so, the son of man will be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Before we go on to the famous John 316, let's stop right there for a second. And let's look at what Jesus is talking about in, uh in reference to him being lifted up as Moses lifted up the serpent. Now, this happened back in uh, Numbers chapter 21, where the people were complaining against God And Moses, because they were in the wilderness, they were upset, so God had sent fiery serpents, or excuse me, he had sent serpents among the people, uh, and they were biting them, right, and they got up, they they were like, you know what, we're sorry, Moses, we shouldn't have uh, talked about, talked against you, talked against God, and what God did was, he told Moses, he said in verse 9, to get a serpent of brass and put it on a pole, and he said that anyone that was bit by those serpents that they receive because of their complaining, their bitter, their um, disobedience. He said, "If they uh, come over and um, hold this serpent of brass, he said they will live." And what is he what What is he saying here? He's saying that their disobedience caused them to be inflicted by a serpent that God has sent to bite them. He said, but that serpent that's going to be on a pole, the brass one, if you touch it, if you hold it, then you'll live. You won't die from the the bite that was created through your sinful ways. And Jesus Christ is saying, so will be him uh, when his time comes That He's going to be on a pole. And whoever touches him, whoever holds him, action words, not just believing, Action words—they will live. The life he's talking about here in John, in uh, John three, chapter uh, fourteen and fifteen, he's talking about uh, you believing in Jesus Christ. Your actions reflecting what you believe will give you life, eternal life. That's what he said. And I'm gonna read it again. And as Moses lifted up the serpent, so we have to go back and look at what Moses did. And why he did it and what the people have to do in reference to it. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of as so that must the son of man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. They had to take action in the time that Moses put that serpent on the pole in order for them not to be bitten. They had to hold the golden uh, the golden serpent, right? excuse me, the brass serpent, if they wanted to live. They didn't just sit back and look at the serpent and say, cool, the Bible says whoever beheld this serpent, whoever held him, would live. So we're going to move on to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Boom. That's it. That is the climax to the ministry of most church institutions before they just told you how God wants to bless you. He wants to make a way. He has miracles lined up for you. He has greatness coming. He knows the plans that he has for you. All these different things we hear people say and to compel you to come down to join that ministry. They'll use John three sixteen. And whoever believes and that's it. They leave it at the belief. But not only if you look at uh, verse 14, verse 15, right before verse 16, keep going up and Jesus Christ tells you what it means to believe. He said, be born again. He defines it before he gets to where he's talking about believing. Be born of water and be born of spirit. Be born again. You can't take the two and separate them. Jesus Christ is not having two different dialogues here. He's not having two different topics. He's talking, he's answering Nicodemus' question because three times Nicodemus could not understand what Jesus Christ is saying. So he elaborates, he elaborates, he elaborates all within the same conversation, all within the same topic, all within the same context. Such an important piece to realize. Again, this is why so many people are led astray because one scripture builds denominations. It builds church institutions. They take one scripture as if it's a single seed and they cultivate what they think God's word says. And it grows up into falsehood and people walking around with a misunderstanding about the truth. The entire truth of the Bible, but ultimately, of course, salvation. In verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him might be saved. The world might be saved. In verse 18 says, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. Now listen to this part here. Because here we go back to some action words. And this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So he's saying the reason why people uh, rather not believe in Jesus Christ, rather not follow him, the light, is because they believe their deeds were evil. He said for everyone who practices evil hates the light because they do not want the uh, their deeds to be exposed. The light, they don't want the light to shine on the things that they're doing. It says, but he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they may be done in God. What deed is he talking about? What deeds are he referencing to? Let's go back into the context of the scripture what Jesus told Nicodemus from the beginning. You have to be born again. That is an action that reflects not just your belief, but the fact that you are doing truth you're coming to the light right now i love how the bible explains itself with all the upside down uh you know twist and turns that people try to make it out to be if you get any if you if, if you're still unclear about baptism <clears throat> being a requirement let's go on to the next verse in 22 It says, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained and with them, uh, excuse me, and there he remained and with them and baptized. So Jesus remained with his disciples in Judea, and he baptized. Doesn't say who he baptized, but it says that he baptized. So I heard someone say years ago that Jesus never baptized anybody, and I believe that. Because I didn't read the Bible for myself, but it says clearly that he did baptize in verse 23. Now, John was also baptizing in Anon near Salim because of there was much water there. And when they came and were baptized for John had not yet been through uh, thrown into prison. So this is before John went into prison in verse 25. Then there arose a dispute between some of the disciples, some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. So there was a dispute going on and uh, they got a little frustrated because people were all going over to be baptized by Jesus Christ. And, and, And it clearly explains this because. You know, they came to him and they said the one that he testified about, John testified, John the Baptist testified about one coming greater than him, which was Jesus Christ. And verse 27, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it is given has been given to him from heaven. He said you yourselves bear with, bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. And he, and he he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears rejoices greatly because the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is filled. So John is excited because Jesus Christ came. He's saying that I never claimed to be the Christ. I'm just the one sent to make the way for Jesus Christ. And he's excited. Because Jesus finally arrives. It says, He must increase, but I must decrease. It says, He who comes from above is above all. It says, He who is of the earth is earthy and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. So, John was basically saying that, you know, I'm only here to lay the foundation. Jesus Christ is above me. And above everybody else. So when you look at what happened after Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, it shows you the importance, the magnitude of baptism. Not only do we go into a, a transition where they're moving from talking to Nicodemus, Christ is talking to Nicodemus, to Uh, seeing that John is already baptized and Jesus Christ goes over to Judea, land of Judea to baptize. It it follows in context with the, not just uh, the requirement, but he's, he's letting you know, this is what it is. This is what needs to be done. It's one thing that Jesus talked to Nicodemus about being baptized. Then he went over to heal a blind man, or he, uh, raised a girl from the dead, or he went to get in a boat and went to sleep. It all falls in line with not just um, what Jesus was telling Nicodemus, but what he showed that need to be done. Like I said before, this whole idea of going into a uh, a church and going to the altar and saying Jesus, and then you getting baptized when you feel like it—that is not. The, the ministry of Jesus Christ. It is not the ministry of the disciples, not even the apostle Paul. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, we see this. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and to prisoners, uh, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, their was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened from his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. This guy was afraid that he was going to be held accountable for all these prisoners that got out. Then Paul called with a loud voice and said, a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I'm going to read it again. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, What must I do to be saved? And this is what Paul says, or excuse me. This is what, yes, this is what Paul says. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So you will be saved. You and your whole whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them in the same hour of that night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his whole family were baptized. Immediately. Immediately. It wasn't no delay. It wasn't when they felt like it. They were baptized. The Bible says within the same hour. But you know that might mess up some of the you know flow of church. When they got to collect the tithe at the end. Which is unbiblical. Right? You cannot tell somebody if they, if they don't tithe. They're robbing God. Right. All this stuff happens at the time after people go down and accept Jesus Christ, quote unquote, through the sinner's prayer. Instead of getting baptized after that. They go collect tithe and send people off to the back to get the new member introduction and hopefully get you plugged into a ministry ministry. But obviously not the discipleship ministry, because that, you know, that's when you that's definitely when you feel like doing it rather than you actually realizing that you are. Supposed to be a disciple when you come into the faith. Such important piece to realize. It, it, it is it is an essential piece to the faith, being baptized. Now I know a lot of people like to say, "Well, what about the man on the cross? You know, because he was pinned up there, hand and foot. He, did he have a chance to get baptized? Of course he did not. But." That man on the cross is not the person who is preaching the gospel, knowing that baptism was a mandate by Jesus Christ, nor the people that are sitting in that church who he's telling uh, that they're preaching to about whatever prosperity, whatever the case may be. We that's that's one of the another one of the big issues that people like to put themselves in the shoes of. The man on the cross or Jeremiah or whoever the person may be and say, well, that because their story uh, reflect this type of situation, then that kind of fits my story. So that must be and that's how God want me to operate. Absolutely not. The Bible says we to work out our own salvation. We all have our own paths and journeys. But when we are uh, called to preach or teach and we don't tell people the truth. Or we come into this faith that we don't study for ourselves, we're being held responsible for ourselves just as, uh, you know, uh, members of, of, the, of the faith and ultimately held to a greater responsibility if we teach and do not teach the unadulterated word of God. Jesus tell Nicodemus, you must be born again. He didn't say it was conditional. He didn't say it's when you felt like it. He said you had to be born again, or else you cannot see, nor can you enter the kingdom of God. Important. This is why studying the word of God for ourselves is absolutely essential. This is why testing everything we hear is absolutely essential. Remember, Jesus said the gate is narrow. He didn't say it was broad. Do as you please. He said it was narrow. Do what you are commanded keep his commands, obey his word. That's what he said. And if we don't do our part and walk according to the ministry of Jesus Christ and the disciples he called, then we are setting ourselves up for failure. We are setting ourselves up to stand before God and not be that good and faithful servant. And when you look at Jesus telling Nicodemus that you cannot see or enter the kingdom of heaven, then, you know, that can be something that is twisted around. Well, maybe he wasn't meaning specifically that. I don't know how, but people twist stuff around like that. Obviously, it's Satan. But if you look at the parables and Jesus said the kingdom of heaven shall be like the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, they're all one. He said it shall be like. And there were two types of people that were in there, that got in or didn't get in. There were the obedient and there were the disobedient. The obedient was welcome. The disobedient was either not welcome or kicked out. It wasn't It's such an amazing piece when you look at these parables. Nowhere does Christ says the kingdom of heaven is like those who believe. He didn't even say the kingdom of heaven was like those who confessed. Now. Do you get salvation by works? No, you do not. You get salvation by believing and your heart reflects what you believe and your heart. Will spill over into your actions. Again, why do we call him Lord, Lord, if we do not do what he say? Therefore. We obviously don't have a heart, a belief for him, because our actions don't reflect that. So when we're in these church institutions and we're listening to these preachings and teachings and things that people are saying, uh, whatever it is, the books or posts, we have to test the word of God. Something as critical as being baptized has been manipulated for decades Twisted for decades. I've heard it so many times from so many different preachers, uh, youth group leaders, you name it. Oh, you don't have to do it. You can say Jesus Christ today, but when you feel like it, how many people who didn't get baptized knew about baptism, but there was no urgency there? There was no preaching of baptism, following your uh, belief, your confession, and died without being baptized. It's important for us to understand this. Are there situations where you won't be on your deathbed and you're probably hearing about baptism for the first time and you can't be baptized? Absolutely. But who said that applies to us who hear and know the truth? And for a preacher to not give the unadulterated word of God, they will be held accountable. But we have to do our part in this faith walk according to God's will, speak the unadulterated truth and test everything we hear. Such such an important piece. I can't tell you how many people I do, especially in social media. You know, social media, unfortunately, is this a new age way of saying things to people uh, that you really wouldn't say to their face. And in the process of that, they have these fights that they want to get into with a scripture or two to try to validate why they are able to live however they want to live or do or accept whatever living uh, that is out there by whoever the person may be. And it's so easy to paste and copy a scripture or what someone told you then to go back and study. Sometimes before I even reply to um, some of these statements that I get, I go do some research. And it takes me sometimes a couple days before I send a statement back. Because I want to make sure that I'm not putting out information that cannot be upheld in the word of God. You know, that's 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 falsehood. That's uh, being a child of Satan. And you can find that clearly in scripture when Jesus Christ came out of the wilderness. And he had to stand toe to toe with Satan regarding truth. And Satan used scripture out of context to to, to attempt to get Jesus to, uh, at the end of the day, bow down and worship him. And that's what we see today. Many people are bowing down, worshiping Satan in and out of church institutions because they have yielded to scripture out of context. Teachings out of context. Partial truths. So I want to encourage all of us to study God's word for ourselves. Be led by the spirit of God. If it don't feel right, you don't have that peace about what you heard, then chances are it's not right. And we can't just let it pass over. We have to be diligent. We have to be uh, you have to stand for the truth and and even expose the 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 lie, expose the Fruitful works of darkness. You know, as as we move through these 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 days, these these end times that Christ spoke of, you can clearly see the spirit of Jezebel running many church institutions. If they don't run it, they probably condone it. And that spirit of Jezebel advocates for women preaching and leading men. Yet in the Bible, it clearly tells us God does not authorize this through uh, the Apostle Paul, who is led by the Holy Spirit. But yet this same preacher who is either teaching unauthorized or condones unauthorized teaching quotes scripture from the same apostle. But completely disregard the other scripture that talks about a woman is not permitted to have authority, or to preach or remain. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's that season. Deception. Christ warned us, many shall be led astray. The apostle Paul told us, James, Jude, John, they all explain that in this time, these things will occur. And if we don't, Put God's word before us as primary to all that is being said and and and, and proclaimed uh, read or whatever the case may be, we will find ourselves walking in condemnation, walking in falsehood. So let's be not just obedient, but be diligent in our obedience. And never ever take anyone's word for it, take God's word for it, because That's the only thing that's going to hold up in the end. So let's do that. Let's stay on task with his truth. Let's be encouraged with his truth. Let's walk in it. Even if we find ourselves walking alone. There were many times Jesus did not have the support that he should have had. but That did not stop him from doing what God called him to do. Because he knew his blessing was much greater than his tribulation. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you for allowing us to cast down lies and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We thank you for peace. We thank you for understanding. We thank you for wisdom. We thank you for favor in this season. We know that when we walk with you, we are kept from everything that hates you. We know that when we lean on you, we don't fall victim to the destruction of the enemy. We thank you. We give you the glory and the honor. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.